Welcome to the Aviation Podcast. On today's episode, Diamond Aircraft Industry plans to grow the London facility located at CYXU in London, Ontario, to accommodate the growing demand for their current aircraft fleet and for the new Diamond DA50RG. Desktop sims, are they good? Are they bad? Are they going to help you in your flight training or are they going to hinder you? Nanaimo Airport planning for a $29 million investment. Piper receives certification on the Pilot 100 trainer aircraft and amateur-built Glasgow's porpoises and crashes. Stick around, we have lots in store today for the very first episode of the Aviation Podcast. Welcome and enjoy. How's everybody doing today? My name is Dave, the host of the Aviation Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in for episode one. And before we get started, just a little bit about me, uh, so you know where I am being episode one. Uh, So my name is Dave. I am a commercial Group 1 IFR rated pilot and currently a uh, CFI candidate at my local flight school. Uh, As for my background in flying, I fly mostly Diamond Aircraft uh, and also Cessna 177 Cardinal. I actually did my private on a 172 like most people, uh, but then transitioned over to to the modern uh, glass cockpit and all that for the IFR portion and uh, and the the last stages of the commercial. So I moved a little bit closer home because I had a young young kid, uh, so he's only one years old now but I wanted to spend more time at home so the commute to flight school was uh, was a big uh, a big concern for me so I went to something a little closer to home and upgraded on the aircraft so but nonetheless have had lots of great training over the years and uh, with the CFI now uh, working on that I hope to pass along uh, both my knowledge and my passion for aviation I've been into aviation since I was a young kid uh, got into it uh, through flight simulators and through just flying uh, as a family we our, our thing was vacationing and so I was around airplanes a lot and I really I, I loved them but no one in my family was ever a pilot and so I never really had that push and actually with my dad he was always gone uh, with his business with his his work um, when I was younger. So my mom was my, my main influence when it came to what I wanted to do, uh, with my life. And she, as much as she flew, hated flying and was petrified of it. And, um, she would do it, but hated every minute of it. So when I, I couldn't really even talk about being a pilot without making her sick. So it took me till I was 25 to get in the, into a Cessna 172 and, uh, took my private license, uh, finished that up. It took a little bit longer, uh, than I expected uh some people told me it was expensive i didn't realize how expensive it was when when someone says oh yeah it's expensive you know it's 170 bucks an hour yada 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 i'm like oh 30 hours no big deal yeah 10 grand later i didn't uh i didn't quite listen to them so (laughs) here i am though now and i didn't let that deter me let my passion take over and now i uh, like i said i have a commercial pilot's license uh, with group one ifr so any american listeners of group one ifr that's a multi-engine instrument rating uh that would be the equivalent to that so without further ado let's get into it uh so diamond aircraft is growing their facility or the planning to grow their facility in London, Ontario to accommodate the growing demand of their current aircraft fleet and the new Diamond uh, DA50RG. Uh, this, to me, I completely understand uh, after flying Diamond aircraft uh, for the better half of 100 hours right now, uh, and then we'll be continuing more hopefully uh, post CFI. I understand 
why their demand is growing. I just kind of put it into perspective. So it's an Austrian company and their Austrian plant right now uh, just celebrated their 500th um, Diamond DA40 coming off the line, the uh, the NG. Now just to put it in perspective, the North, North American plant is at 1350 1350 uh, so you can see just the difference of uh, the austrian uh, demand uh, versus the north american demand and now with uh, Cirrus aircraft is is obviously number one and diamond aircraft has now come into the number two manufacturing of new uh, new piston engine aircraft uh, globally not just in north america so but the biggest thing yeah, everyone knows with the Cirrus aircraft fantastic aircraft nothing wrong with them uh, but they're very expensive they're very expensive um, you look at a brand new uh, SR22 and you're going to be on the better half of a million dollars US uh, whereas with a Diamond Star DA40 you're looking at at around 250,000 so so there's a big 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 price gap there which is driving more people into that now the caveat to that is the Diamond Star DA40 is slower and it is a slower aircraft than an SR22 um, I, uh, I believe it's pretty similar to the SR20 um, however if that's your main competitor that's the, the biggest drawback you know you have a, a much better cruising speed on the uh, SR22 so with that Diamond Star or Diamond aircraft uh, has come out with the competitor of the DA50RG. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to take a look at that, I would highly, highly, highly recommend going over to uh, to YouTube and checking out the DA50. It is uh, DA50RG. It is absolutely fantastic. It has a couple things now on top of the SR22. It's got the retractable gear and the high performance engine, which is great. Uh, so. It's, uh, yeah, the RG, just a little bit about the RG50. I don't want to go too far off track, but the RG50, um, so the DA50 RG weighs uh, just over 1,200 pounds, and it's rated for a fuel com- consumption of only 34.1 liters per hour, or 9 U.S. gallons. Uh, so if I, if I say anything about liters, um, I'll try to convert over to gallons as well. Uh, we pretty much use gallons, but uh, sometimes in, my pub- in the publications, uh, they'll go off of liters. Uh, so 9 U.S. gallons, um, uh, per hour so nine gallons per hour and it's running on uh, on uh, jet fuel right so the cost of jet fuel is much less than uh, you know low lead 100 low lead half gas um, and nine us gallons like that's that's fantastic you can't you can't, really can't beat that like i'm looking currently right now at a da40 where we run av gas and we're running yeah, we normally lean for about uh, 8.2 so you're saying i can get almost double the amount of performance almost double uh, you know, call it even, let's, let's, let's round it up. Let's be really, really conservative with it. And let's say it's two liters more because, you know, it's never always going to be perfect. It's rated for nine U.S. gallons per hour. Uh, yeah, let's say, let's say we're at 10, 10, five, right? Let's say it's two liters or two gallons more, sorry, uh, two gallons more per hour. That's really not that much for such a high-performance aircraft. So anyways, guys, if you haven't seen that, check it out. I, uh, I definitely, definitely recommend it. Uh, so so back to, to them expanding. So currently right now, uh, their London plant measures uh, 220,000 square feet. And, and so and in addition, they do have two, uh, 20,000 square feet hangars uh, sitting on about 55 acres of own land and taxiways through the London airport. Uh, so it's it's super super convenient for them uh, where they are. It's a great spot. Uh, they actually do have a, if I'm not mistaken, a flight school there that uses the Diamond aircraft as well. So if you're interested, and you're in the London area, check them out. 
this already is plenty of room to to accommodate the more production in London with the new DA50. Um, however, because the increase in demand for the DA uh, DA40 and for flight schools and for for uh, normal. Um, general aviation enthusiasts, and now the DA fifty, they're going to need some more, some more land. But uh, but the CEO of uh, Diamond Aircraft, uh, Scott Mc, uh, McFadzie, says where Cirrus really had us beat was the high performance single targeted at the private and owner flown market, uh, and we have two new models that compete aggressively with this: the DA sixty two, which is the multi engine, and the DA fifty coming down the pipe. So this is what I kind of was getting at. Uh, Cirrus is is definitely the the, forf- the the leader in general aviation aircraft, single engine aircraft, um, and the DA sixty two was fantastic. But a lot of people don't want to pay the extra maintenance on the second engine, even though it, the safety is you know bar none to have two engines as opposed to one. Um, some people don't want that that overhead. So this now is going to compete and give them that uh, single-engine piston uh, competitive edge. We have private customers and business owners, but they were typically buying DA-40s to learn how to fly or as their first airplane because it's so docile and forgiving, which is which is so true. Uh, it's unbelievable. If you haven't been in one, I definitely recommend it. And I want to stop you for a second. I don't want to sound like I'm a, I'm a Diamond uh, uh, sales guy or something like that. I have no affiliate with Diamond. I, I just have flown a lot of Cessna and I've flown uh, Diamond, a little bit of Pipers, but, um, you know, it's... It is an unbelievable aircraft. It is so stable. It's so forgiving. Um, it's so well balanced. If you just haven't been in one, hop in one, and you'll you'll see what I'm saying and why why I like it. Uh, it's a it's a great airplane to learn to fly in and to take your family in, and will be completely safe. But typically, more people will want to move up to a larger, faster airplane at some point, and we really didn't have that option in the Diamond portfolio, which is so true. If you want to stay in the single engine realm, you're just not going to get it with um, with Diamond. DA forty is is their their fastest most let's call it high performance aircraft um, in the single engine market. So the DA fifty, great addition to the family. Also, just a uh, just a reminder as well with the new Diamond uh, aircraft DA forty, DA fifty, DA sixty two, all that's G one thousand. I think mostly I think Cessna is pretty much pushing that as well. Obviously, Cirrus is all glass cockpit as well. Um, and they use the FADEX system, uh, so that that's really nice uh, as well. Uh, I still like the older style, the DA fifty, uh, or correction, the DA forty, because they they do they don't have the FADEX system in there in the older ones. So you know, as a student pilot, you're still learning, uh, you know, engine like stall, you know, mixture, prop, throttle, flaps up, like you know, you know, going through the same the the right uh, procedures because it's I find it's easier if you learn. On something that you know has a, a mixture control, a prop control, and uh, and your throttle, uh, it's easier to go down to something. Let's say a Cessna that's just a throttle and a mixture, right? Or and then take that the step further and go into a Fadec aircraft where it's just throttle, no mixture, no prop, right? So the DA fifty takes everything that we have done well in the DA sixty two and matches it into a, a single engine configuration with the same cabin and cockpit, just obviously with an engine on the nose versus two hanging off the wings. Uh, it creates or fills a niche where we see growing in general aviation. People want to have space to carry more, travel further, 
and have that luxury, convenient, and comfortable private travel experience. This is an all-carbon composite airframe. The jet fuel burning in the DA50RG weighs just over 1,200 pounds and is rated for a fuel consumption of, like we said, 9 US gallons at a max range of 750 nautical miles or 1,389 kilometers. Leveraging a six-cylinder 300 horsepower Continental CD300 diesel engine with dual redundant FADEC, integrated gearbox, and propeller governor, the DA50RG is rated for a max speed of 181 uh, knots true airspeed and a uh, 20,000 foot ceiling. The aircraft features a Garmin G1000 NXI avionics, go-wing doors, and cargo doors. So that's very that's very normal for uh, uh, the Diamond aircraft. They all have that now. And double-slotted flaps uh, for high lift and strong slope speed behavior in flight. Diamond's in a luxury brand our luxury brand, and historically, the capital purchase prices are slightly more than that of our competitors. McFazine uh, explains, knowing the importance of considering total cost of ownership and cost per flight hour. When you get into uh, parts costs, maintenance costs, those are all fairly comparable, but when you get into fuel savings, and that is where we really run away with it. Because we're burning not only 40% less fuel, if you're talking about the same horsepower gasoline engine, but also the fuel's typically $1 to $2 uh, cheaper per gallon. Now that's in Canadian dollars, uh, but but yeah, right across the board, it is cheaper. So yeah, so it's quite uh, quite exciting that Diamond Aircraft is coming out with this uh, DA50 and that they're doing it in our own backyard right here in uh uh, well, in London, it's uh, not quite my backyard, but uh, but here in the in the Great White North, uh, so that's quite good. So next thing on the list today, a desktop Sims, good or bad? I would love to hear your thoughts on this. As somebody who did a private license uh, after being a Sim enthusiast, um, I'm going to say it, it did me good. And I'm not going to say that there, uh, you couldn't get bad habits. I think there's definitely um, a point of diminishing return on simulators um, at home on your own without a CFI uh, before you have a private license. However, there's certain things that were fantastic, and I'll use from my own experience. Uh, for me, the first time uh, I went up flying, so for my quote-unquote discovery flight, but it was a lesson one, a straight-level flight, uh, I took off the airplane. So that was that was cool. Um, you know, no, that's not not too difficult. But um, as a new new pilot, I felt very comfortable doing that, especially with a CFI beside me. So I took off the airplane, flew it for ninety nine percent of the flight, and flew us into short final. And because my instructor wanted to kind of see where I was at, and I had told him that I had done some simulator stuff, and he wanted to. He wasn't a um, uh, simulator expert let's say uh, so he didn't know what kind of advantage that would give me and I would say that the advantage that it gave me was sight lines um, I didn't know numbers I didn't know stall speeds I didn't know VX VY uh, I didn't know how to set things up properly lean uh, like you know set things up for crews properly in a mixture um, all of that stuff because in a flight simulator you're just like and you know if you don't know what you're doing you're like full throttle and away we go let's have some fun right so I didn't know how to properly do that stuff, but my sight lines were very good and I could fly a circuit pretty well. Um, I didn't even really know what a circuit was at that point. Uh, so he kind of guided me. Okay. Yeah. 
uh, this is what a circuit is. Just, you know, fly beside the runway, make a left-hand turn and a, and a left-hand turn to final. Um, however, another thing that I found really helped me out from the simulators, I was radio communications. I jumped in right away to, to VATSIM and I was probably that guy that everyone's like, oh my gosh, who who's that, right? Just making all those crazy radio calls. But however... Um, through YouTube and through talking to other people, I learned quite a bit. So uh, where I did my initial flight training was right under the Class C airspace at, in Toronto. And when my instructor said, you know, let's let's talk to Toronto today and get up a little bit quicker, uh, I had no problem the first time keying in, calling Toronto uh, terminal and getting a clearance to, to fly up higher. I was very comfortable with that and confidence. So I definitely would say that that would help uh, any student. Now, the hindrance. Where would it not be good? Uh, there are a lot of people who put a lot of hours into flight sim and get overconfident. Okay, flying in a simulator is not like flying in real life. Take somebody who flies a real airplane, put them in a simulator and see how they land an airplane and they can't and vice versa. Okay, they feel totally different. You have different forces acting upon your body. Optical illusions are like non-existent in a simulator. Uh, so all of those factors can play into being overconfident and can lead into bad situations like machoism, um, overconfidence, things like that. Okay. So that's one thing. If you are a, a simmer and you're wanting to transition into flying an airplane, think about that. Okay. Fly it, but understand that you fly a sim and not an airplane. Um, I've, I've heard from other instructors, them saying things that, you know, they, that they'll have a, a person who flies flight sims. They come in, they know absolutely nothing, but they think they know everything and they're impossible to teach. Just don't be that person is all I'm saying. Understand that you may be great in a simulator. You may be great at home where there's no stresses, but when you're in the air and your life and your instructor's life are theoretically in your hands, uh, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, put yourself into and get yourself into a situation where you have a black hole effect, where even the most experienced instructors uh, can fall victim to it. And that might be humbling for you. That might be humbling for you. So overall, desktop simulators, good or bad? I say good with a little, you know, a little hint of bad, a little hint of bad. Don't let the overconfidence get, get to you, but it can definitely help with your site your sight lines, help with radio comms. If you're using something like VATSIM um, or Pilot Edge, if you use any of those, then uh, then those I think can really help you. So next up, we have Nanaimo Airport planning for a $29 million investment. The Nanaimo Airport Commission on December 21st introduced a $28.8 million infrastructure capital plan. It is undertaken to help fuel the central island's economic recovery. The commission states this investment over the next five years will enhance the Nanaimo Airport, that's CY, uh, correction, CYCD infrastructure, uh, to provide additional route development options, including Toronto, Edmonton, Kelowna, and seasonal sun destinations. We're proactively embracing our leadership role as a key economic driver for the region, said Dave Devana, president and CEO of Nanaimo Airport. Our investments will create jobs and opportunities with multiple economic spinoffs that touch all corners of the region we serve. 
Our new infrastructure capital plan will help Nanaimo Airport and our region recover from the impact of the pandemic while ensuring the airport continues to meet the needs of leisure and business travelers for our next generation. The Nanaimo Airport Commission adopted the 2021-2025 financial plan in late 2020, focusing on a budget that is placed on a slow pandemic recovery with passenger traffic returning to 2019 levels by 2024. The commission, which operates as a non-profit corporation, notes no tax dollars are being used to fund the airport's operations. It generates revenue through passenger fees, parking fees, and leases, with all net income reinvested in infrastructure improvements. Government grants have helped fund capital projects such as the new airport terminal building. A statement from YCD explains the COVID-19 pandemic, presented the airport with the most difficult financial challenges in its history. An estimated 181,072 passengers will travel through the gates in 2020, down an estimated 63% from the record of just shy of 591,499 uh, passengers in 2019. As a result, the airport forecasted a $1.4 million loss in 2020 compared to a $3.75 million surplus in 2019. This is fantastic that Nanaimo Airport uh, is putting this money back into it to expand. I think any money put into airports is good money well spent. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, a lot of airports have been hit. I, I would be willing to say as, as a whole, the travel, tourism, hospitality industry has probably been hit the absolute hardest during the pandemic. Uh, and that includes everything such as you know planners, uh, vacation planners, travel planners, wedding planners, uh, airports, pilots, um, you know, flight attendants, all flight crew, airport staff, etc. The list goes on. I think they've been hit the hardest. I, I, I currently know pilots flying at a 60% pay cut. 60% pay cut doing the same job. First off, the thing that scares me about that is, are they going to come back afterwards and just say, well, you've been flying for this rate. We're just going to keep paying you this rate. This is kind of the bone I have with, with current regional carriers and, uh, you know, Obviously, bottom line is number one. However, us pilots, we're our own worst enemies. Why are we flying for regional carriers for $40,000 a year? $40,000 a year is just above poverty. And we just spent 70, 80, 90, $100,000 to get your licensing, and you're going to work for 40 grand? I don't want to, I'm, I'm not even going to go into what I do for a living, but I'll let you know that what I do for a living with my career, it costs me about $10,000, okay, to get my certification. I make $103,000 a year. I'm not trying to like boast what my salary is. I'm just saying, if in what I do costs me about ten grand to get my credentials, my certifications to do my job, and I make over $100,000 a year, however... To get, become a pilot, which I'm going to wager to say that being a pilot takes a lot more know-how, education, and skills to do than what I currently do. And you make $40,000 a year and you got to deal with that for five years until you get on to, uh, you know, an hourly rate. And then it's all, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying like the end game is, is fantastic, but name an industry and I'm not talking about the CEOs and things like that. I'm not talking about I'm talking about your your frontline workers, okay? Your your starting at 40, ending at almost 400. 
thousand dollars a year as a captain of a of a wide body with your overtime. That gap is insane. I I'm not saying anything against what I'm saying is that hey, if you want to make that money at the end of the career, that's that's great. But let's start these guys a little bit higher. Forty thousand dollars a year, and I don't know. I, I'm this is me speaking completely uneducated from the outside. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to preface that I have no idea what the back ends are of these regional carriers. I don't know how much money they're making, how much money they're losing. I have no clue. I'm just looking at it from face value of somebody on the outside saying, you know what, you make forty thousand dollars a year, and it costs you almost a hundred thousand dollars to get your education. And if you did an integrated ATPL program, it did cost you a hundred thousand dollars. I didn't do that to get my commercial license. I just did it. Um, on my own, self-paced because I have a career, and it cost me probably around the sixty thousand dollar mark. I, you know, I don't really want to look at it, but it's around around that to get where I'm at today. So it's to me, to me, we got it. We got to come into a little bit. Uh, we got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. But what uh, I was just talking in a group about this the other day, guys were saying, "Well, would you fly for free as a pilot to gain experience?" No. No, you're a commercial pilot. You're you're a scab to other people, other pilots, if you're just going to go fly for free. We want to get better wage. We want to get better cost of living. I look at this, and, and the reason I'm passionate about it, my flight instructor at my old flight school, as soon as I was pretty much done my commercial license, he went and he worked for a regional air carrier. I'm not going to name who they are. Now, the pandemic hit, and that sucks. That is That is what it is. Timing sucked, Okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold that against any company. You gotta do what you gotta do. You're in survival mode. He was making less money as a regional first officer than he was as a flight instructor. How is that progression? How is he going to do any better? How is that going to, especially post pandemic? Let's think of this post pandemic when things are getting better. People are gonna look and go, "Why would I become a pilot? It's gonna cost me a hundred thousand dollars." I'm going to make 40 grand a year and I might lose my job tomorrow. Sounds pretty enticing when you can go and grab something else, become somebody in the healthcare field and uh, not ever lose your job. Anyways, enough about that. That's a side rant. I apologize. I digress. Let's continue on. Um, Obviously, it's something I'm passionate about. I just I just think people need to be fair to these new pilots. Uh, it's awful seeing what they do. Um, and that's, a, you know what, that's why I'm doing my CFI. I'm going to CFI on the side and enjoy that. So next on the list, Piper receives certification for the Pilot 100 uh, aircraft trainer. So Piper aircraft received type of certification from the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, for its Pilot 100 trainer aircraft, which was introduced at Sun and Fun in 2019. So if you're there, you, you would have seen it. Uh, launch customer uh, American Flyers is scheduled to take delivery of eight 100i aircraft by the end of 2020. I'd have to check. I'm not sure if that happened. However, this article was published in 2021. And it still says that. So I'm going to say that they didn't get it yet, but they'll be getting them soon if they haven't. The Pilot 100i is an IFR certified version of the Pilot 100 equipped with VFR flying. The new trainer aircraft family is a derivative of the Piper PA-28 line, which first reached the market back in the 1960s as a Cherokee. The company states the new Pilot 100i rounds out its portfolio of training aircraft, which also includes the Archer TX, Archer DX, Aero, and Seminole. Seminole's near and dear to me. That's what I got my uh, multi-engine on. The Pilot 100i priced under 
US $300,000, features the Garmin G3X, and 180 horsepower Lycoming IO360 B4A engine, which offers a true airspeed of 128 knots. Uh, so nice trainer option. Uh, it seems like that might be a, a competitor with Diamond, you would think. Uh, low wing, uh, 128 knots true airspeed, similar to the Diamond. $300,000 US, similar to the Diamond. It's another trainer option. That's fantastic. I'd like to uh, check it out. Haven't been in one of them, so I would definitely like to take a look at that. And last but not least, today we're going to talk about an incident and accident. This is something that I really like doing. I like looking at accidents and uh, incidents and trying to improve to make sure that I don't get in an accident. I hope you do the same too. So here in Ontario, an amateur-built glass goose uh, was initiating a local flight from Pembroke. Uh, with one pilot on board, we're on takeoff roll on runway 35, 35, the aircraft nosed up quicker and at a higher angle of attack than expected. The pilot applied forward pressure on the control stick uh, to compensate, resulting in nose-down attitude. The nose wheel struck the runway, and the aircraft began to porpoise. On the third runway contact, the aircraft slid off the runway onto the grass surface. Emergency services deployed to the accident site, and the aircraft closed run- uh, sorry, and the aircraft Aircraft, jeez, why do I keep saying Airport closed runway 35 until the debris was removed. The aircraft sustained, sustained substantial damage to the nose landing gear, cockpit, undercarriage, and fuselage. So the takeaway from this one for me, um, it, it, it's actually, uh, so it's funny, when we think of porpoising, we think of it on landing, right? We think that we come down, we hit that nose wheel first because uh, we came in too flat, and then we get that porpoise effect. You know, nose wheel hits, tail wheel hits, back up in the air, nose wheel hits, tail wheel hits, up in the air, and that oscillation gets bigger and bigger until we crash right in. So the typical porpoise situation here, however, on takeoff. So that's something that we got to think about when we're taking off. We nose up too high, we could get ourselves into a porpoise situation on takeoff as well. Um, not to mention just a, a normal stall situation. He could have gone right down, or he or she uh, could have gone right down and just, uh, you know, lawn darted right off the beginning. So the takeaway from this, first off, I don't know the, uh, the, the runway length at Pembroke. However, I would assume it's uh, ample large for a GA aircraft. Um, however, if it's not, if it's short field and we got to pop off that runway a little bit early, we got to make sure we fight the instincts of wanting to pull up, right? Think of back in PPL training when you're doing the short field takeoff with an obstacle. You pop up, you got to go into ground effect at that airspeed and then climb. It seems counterintuitive that you're going to be facing yourself at the obstacle. However, we have to get a safe airspeed. So in this situation, if he popped up a little too early, let's say it was a huge headwind day. He pops off the ground at 35 knots when he wasn't expecting it. Okay. Get that nose down. Fight the urge to pitch up. Build the airspeed. And then we climb up. Right. Now, here's another situation. We get into a porpoise. What do we do? Like, let's, okay, it's great. It's great and all that. We're sitting back here and, hey, Dave, yeah, you know what's great? I, I, I uh, you know, I should put the nose down, but I didn't. I put the nose up and now I'm in a porpoise situation. How are we going to get out of that, guys? How are we going to get out of it? This person obviously here, I'm going to assume, had full, full power the whole time. But he was in that pitch oscillation, Right going up and down, up and down, up and down until the third oscillation where he crashed into the ground. It's one of those things, it's a little bit of a Swiss cheese model. And, you know, we, 
we could sit there and say, well, yeah, you got to hold that note. You got to, you got to find, you got to give that back pressure, hold the nose. Like when you're, when you're pitching back down, but he's potentially in a stall situation, right? Maybe there's nothing he could have done. That first initial pullback, um, where he pitched too high may have been just the beginning of the end. And, and there was no way for, for him to recover from that. However, what could we do? What could we do is on that oscillation, when that nose hits, boom, tailwheel hits, push the nose forward. Keep it down. Try not to allow it to pop back up. If, it, if you keep it pinned on the ground, great. You're probably not going to. You're probably going to come back up. Push that nose down. Break the stall, the potential stall. You know you're going to be coming up and going into a stall, stall attitude, a nose high attitude. Okay, you're going to hit that critical angle of attack and you're going to drop back down. So let's try to keep a little bit of forward pressure there. And now I'm, I'm not saying this as a CFI. Check with your CFI. They could have a totally different opinion on this. I'm not a CFI. Don't take what I'm saying as, as this is what you should do. Uh, take this as just a thinking point. I just want to get the brain moving, the brain thinking about how are we going to keep ourselves safe. That's, that's what I would do. That's personally, I'm just, I'm rolling off this as to what I would currently do in that situation. I don't like to think too much in armchair quarterback about it. I like to just kind of roll with it. What's, what would I do in that, that current, that exact situation? So with that being said, guys, that concludes our 30 minutes. I'm going to try to keep them about 30 minutes to an hour, uh, but with more user questions, things like that, as time goes on, they will get a little bit longer. Uh, but with that, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the first episode of the aviation podcast. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please let me know if there's other stories or things that you would like to hear. I'm going to try to keep it into uh, Canadian aviation. Um, however, any major incident, we're definitely going to be talking about uh, or, or major situation in the aviation industry. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, I can't thank you enough for checking out uh, the episode. Please consider subscribing. And stick around for episode two. Episode two, I'm going to be trying to do this weekly. It will be weekly. However, uh, there's a few things I have to iron out at the beginning right now. Uh, so it will be weekly. Uh, most definitely be a Monday morning uh, release. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And stay safe. Fly often. And stay current. And we'll see you next time on the Aviation Podcast. <laughs>